ill-equipped <laughs> history. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we'll get it one day. <laughs> we eventually. Um, I am Morgan, and I am here with my beautiful co-host Emily. Hey, this is our second episode, and it is my episode. Um, like Emily said in our first one, uh, for our first episode, we are doing firsts for, I just said our first few episodes. <laughs> um, yeah. so my episode is about the first major religion, Hinduism. So, um, we are just, just going to, <laughs> Uh, we'll get it eventually. Words are um, hard. It's cool. They are hard. Okay, so we're just going to go ahead and get started. Yes. Enter India at some point in time. My husband, Shiva, why do you have so many skulls on your necklace? My love, Pavarti, I have a skull for each time you have died and been reborn. Wow, that's a lot of times. Hey, why do I die, but you're immortal? I discovered the secret to immortality a long time ago. Can I know the secret? No. Please? No. Please? Okay, sure. We just have to go somewhere no one else can hear us. Alright, cool. But let's go on your bull, Nandi. pair dismount at Pahalgam. Hang on, I need to take the moon out of my hair. Oop, here we go. Shiva takes the moon out of his hair. Okay, now? Not yet. I have to take off my snake necklace and leave my son in the mountains. Bye-bye. Shiva does so. How about now? Wait, we have to leave behind all of the elements. Air, water, earth, fire, and the sky. Man, we are really leaving everything behind. Okay, now let's go into this cave. The two go into the cave, Amarnath. Okay, we are pretty isolated. Can you tell me now? Wait, I gotta manifest a guy. Naturally. Shiva enters a deep meditation, which creates Rudra. Hey, Rudra, can you destroy every living thing in and around this cave with fire? Wait, I thought you left behind all the elements. Shh, it's fine. Rudra destroys every living thing in and around the cave with fire. Shiva then shares the secret of immortality with Parvati. The end. (laughs) Okay. That was nice. Thanks. So that is one of many myths surrounding Mm -hmm. a pilgrimage that we're going to discuss later. So just before I get started, there are so many different like rabbit holes I really had to not go into researching this episode. I think just the history of India in and of itself could have its own podcast because it is such a rich, amazing like cultured history with so many different elements, I really had to like keep blinders on to research this because there's so much that goes into this. Because <laughs> it's not like the religion is not separate separate from the culture, which is not separated from the country. Like it's right. all intertwined. Okay, so what is Hinduism? 
It is the world's oldest major religion, and it goes back more than 4,000 years. Though in Hinduism, there's not really a beginning or an end. Like a lot of believers of Hinduism and followers of Hinduism say that it is eternal. There's no beginning and no end. Um, always. 95% of Hindus on earth live in India. Um, it's um, And one thing about it that I noticed is that most or several of the major religions have an origin story. You know, with mm-hmm. Christianity, it's Jesus Christ. With Islam, right. it's Muhammad. With Buddhism, it's Buddha. With Hinduism, there's not one origin story. There, It is an amalgamation of many different types of beliefs and cultures over thousands of years that have all kind of blended together. Um, and there, there's even on some people that think it's not just a religion, but a way of life, which I'll also go into. So how did it start? Um, so we're going back into the little geography here. So we're going to about 2500-ish BC Mm -hmm. um, to the Indus Valley Civilization. It's the earliest known major civilization on the Indian subcontinent, and it was gigantic. It was huge. It was bigger than Mesopotamia and Egypt. Yeah, I'm saying it's this dark brown right here, right? Yes. And it's like, yeah, it's like the length of Iran, Afghanistan, like, Current day Pakistan. Yeah. 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 It was massive. And there are many, many different civilizations. But in my research, the two that stood out the most were Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro. And both of those are in present day Pakistan. Um, Up until last century, Pakistan and India were in this were the same country, Um, which there was a whole thing I won't get into because that would be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Um, but it was, I think, after, I think it was after the British left India. But anyway, so the Indus Valley civilization lasted until about 1700 to about 1000 BC. Uh, history, like, recordings weren't super... Like, there wasn't a lot of people recording history at that time. Right. Um, like, things were in, like, hieroglyphs, as Emily said in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly didn't even see anything about written language in this area at this time. Really? Um, so it's just word so, of mouth as of right now, for the most part. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find otherwise. So no one really knows what happened to the Indus Valley civilization. Um, Mohenjo-Daro specifically was subjected to a lot. It was flooded a bunch of times. Mm. And it was already considered a dying civilization when it was invaded by Indo-Europeans, who then killed everyone. (laughs) That doesn't help. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... As the Iron Age began around 1000 BC, that is what historians refer to as the proper end of the Indus Valley civilization in the source I saw. Um, And from what records, what little records there are, um, Hinduism began between 2300 and 1500 BC, which that's about a thousand years. (laughs) There's like an 800 time span when Hinduism was thought to have started. Um, But again, like I said, you know. Yeah, but there is a belief that it has always existed and will always right. exist. Right. Um, I also alternate in my notes, and this was alternated in the sources I saw. So there's Indo-Europeans, there's Indo-Aryans, and there's Indo-Iranians. 
I cannot find the difference between these groups of people. Okay. So your guess is as good as mine. I'm sure. I don't like, have I a guess. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried to look. It looks like most of these people came from the Middle East around what's now like Afghanistan, Iran, like all those places. Right. Um, so around 1500 BC, the Indo-Aryan peoples migrated to the Indus Valley civilization and their culture blended with the indigenous peoples there. And it's unclear whose beliefs were more prominent. So this is one of the rabbit holes I fell into. So there's a side note. I try to figure out who are the indigenous peoples of India. Right. And there are multiple answers. <laughs> of course there are. <laughs> um, there are three main groups of people who were identified in my research as being involved in the main beginnings of Hinduism. So the Indo-Aryans slash Indo-Europeans. Um, don't know if those are the same or different. The Dravidians who may be indigenous to India, though there's speculation that they originate from the Middle East, but are distinct from the Indo-Aryans. And then there's Adivasi, and that's kind of a collective name given to the different tribes in India. Um, and it's like ethnic minorities and tribes, and this name wasn't even given to them until the 1930s to give them a collective identity. <laughs> They rec they recognize themselves as indigenous and do not recognize Indo-Aryans or Dravidians as indigenous. The government does not recognize a um, Ardavasi Adivasi as being indigenous. So it's you so know there's an argument there. <laughs> yes, no one knows. Um, so they're like, no, we're the we're the first, and they're like, no, we're the first, and no, you're yes. not the first, but I am the first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Adivasi is a name given to ancient inhabitants in general. And then there's tribes that is like secondary to okay. that. It's like a social unit. Um, and then there's a lot of different tribes that make up the Adivasi. Um, another side note. So the Dravidian art, um, which again is like one of the groups of the indigenous peoples, their art is still very prominent in a lot of Hindu like art and temples and so i actually have a yeah. picture of a dravidian temple okay I'm so going... we're looking at the like the reds and the blues and the really yeah. intricate details with the the points and the arches yes. and yeah it's yep, a beautiful yep, yep. beautiful temple oh, it's i'm gorgeous. going to do do my best to pronounce this sri ranganan ranganatha swami temple in Tamil Nadu. I tried to look it up beforehand. I did my best. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it is the largest functioning Hindu temple in the world. It is 156 acres. And it heavily features Dravidian art and architecture. That's um, insane. So, yeah. It's, it sits on 156 acres. I mean, yes. I can see just three, three buildings in this mm -hmm. one picture. And it's, I mean, it looks like a comic book. Like, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so just, like, you know, there's still influences from these ancient people still being used today. Yeah. Um, and so then there's an other, other, other side note. So I think I mentioned this earlier. The Indo-Aryan slash Europeans came from Central Asia-ish. Yeah. Um, on war chariots. Nice. Um, so, Yeah. And then last fun side note. So there is actually a group of indigenous Indians known as the Andaman Islands tribe who were isolated for 25,000 years. I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? 25,000 years. Ugh. They were isolated. 
They just had no other contact with anyone else. Completely for isolated. Thousand years. Yes. And when did when I'm sure I, we ruined that somehow. When did I'm sure. when did that get ruined? I don't know. Recently? I didn't write it down. Oh. I didn't write it down. Damn it. We're I'm sure have within to look the last that up. last couple centuries. I'm okay. sure someone but, was like, We need to drop an iPhone on them. Like Yeah, yeah. We need yeah, to here's ruin some red dye red dye forty. <laughs> here's some processed meat. Let me ruin your life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So after like those were a few tangents I went on. Um I just I felt like they like brought some like context yes. to everything. Yes. And I didn't feel right like leaving that out. Exactly. Um so all these different people's cultures and beliefs melded and merged into what's considered Hinduism today, but there's many different sects and belief philosophies that people follow. Um, and around this time, when these peoples are coming into India, there's um, something was written called the Vedas texts. And they're still used today. They're holy scriptures um, written by spiritual leaders and practitioners. Vedas means knowledge or wisdom. Um, they're a collection of hymns and verses that are very important to Hinduism and can be considered how it was established. Um, Hindus believe the Vedas are transcendent with no beginning or end. Um, so there are four main Vedas. Um, they're the Rig Veda, the Sama Veda, the Yajur Veda, and then the Atharva Veda. Um, there's also the Upanishads, which is the last chapter of the Veda. Um, and then the texts were written during what's known as the Vedic period, which is between 1500 BC to 500 BC. So again, an- like another thousand years, these texts were written over. This is insane. Okay, so what? when did we say that the... That it was established, first established, 2500 um, BC? Let me go back. Yeah, it says 2500. I'm just thinking that what we consider, like, you know, Jesus' birth, that when Christianity started, we're talking 2500 years before that. Mm-hmm. It's just blowing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Get just, ready to get, get ready just, fucked up. Yeah. No, nah, I'm just fucked. So, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So these were written around 1500 BC, so about 1500 years before that. Um, and so then there is an epic period between 1000 BC and 600 BC. Um, and there are very two very, very epic poems that were written. Um, and these are also like transcendent and they're very important to Hinduism. One is about, um, there's the Ramayana, which is written over the span of a thousand years. Um, and I think that one also doesn't have an end. It's just, you know, it's just kind of ever going. But that's about Prince Rama, um, who's a very important character in Hindu, like, folklore and mythology. Wow. And then there's the Mahabharata. Uh-huh. I think I did that right. Um, and it's about a conflict between two families, the Kaurava, Kauravas and the Pandavas. Um that one came up a couple of times in my research. I didn't go too deep into it because, again, that was another rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is a focus. Um, and during this time, during the epic period, there's more of a focus on worshiping deities, um, specifically okay. Vishnu, Shiva, and Devi. And I'll go into more about who those um, right. deities are later. So, you know, I talked about those texts. So there's the Vedas and the Upanishads. Um, there's a Bhagavad Gita, which is a song of God, 18 Puranas. And I know it sounds like I'm saying Purana from the Amazon. (laughs) No, 
they're it's Purana, like P-U-R-A-N-A, um, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Um, so those are all very important religious texts. Um, so after the epic period, we get, enter the classic period, our time of the Buddha, and that's when Buddhism was very relevant, and then that kind of merged a little bit with Hinduism. Um, and that is around the time of classic Greece. So, <laughs> wow! like when we think of classic Greece, this is around that time. Um, and then we have a medieval period that lasted from about 580 to 1500 AD. And that's where we see the emergence of the caste system, which I know we learned about in school. In a very mean way. Yes. I was never a king or a queen. <laughs> I was never up there. I was in the back of the lunch line every yep. time. Yep. So... More on the caste system. Um, so there's a social hierarchy dividing Hindus based on their karma and dharma. Um, mm -hmm. So karma, I go into a little bit later, but karma is um, how your actions influence like your, like it's just your actions like into the universe. Right. And then a dharma is like a way of life. Right. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it goes back over 3,000 years, but it really hit its stride in the medieval period. Um, so we have the top of the hierarchy, which is the Brahmin, mm -hmm. and those are the intellectual and spiritual leaders. Then the... I'm sorry, I'm, try, I'm trying to do my best to pronounce this. Kshatriyas, um, which are protectors and public servants. Okay. So I assume that would be like a police force. Okay. Um, the... Vice, I, I swear I looked these up before. Vice, I did this. Vice, yes, vice, yes, um, are skillful producers, and then the shudras are unskilled laborers. Okay, so and then out, let's let's uh, did you say the untouchables? Is that next? Yes, oh my goodness yes. gracious. So the untouchables, um, are outside of the caste system, okay, and they're the lowest level of social hierarchy. So I just want to make sure I'm getting this right when we're talking about mm -hmm. karma. I know what karma is. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about that in a day-to-day -day thing as just, like, people who aren't even Hindu, um, you know, mm -hmm. that bad karma comes around or, you know, good karma. But Dharma, so we're talking right. about as far as, like, the hierarchy, um, these people have a lot of good Dharma at the top, the Brahmin, because mm -hmm. they are the spiritual leaders, the intellectuals. And then we've got a right. little less Dharma the protectors, the public servants, and then a little less skillful, skillful, you know, producers. And then, so it goes down like that. Yes. I so I right? just, yes, I just checked my notes. So Dharma is a way of living that focuses on your morals and conduct. Okay. Um, and a karma is a universal law of cause and effect. Got it. So like, they, they're both very intertwined. Yeah. Um, so that you, the good yeah. actions that you take are manifested back to you. Yeah. Um, and. Your good yeah, dharma but, comes back as good karma. Right. Okay. Um, so, and, but the thing is, is like, you don't move outside of your caste system. Right. Either. So you're really born into it. Um, so, and this is another little side note, because this is full of side notes. So the Adavati, which I talked about earlier, which is um, mm -hmm. a collection of tribes, they are also outside of the caste system, but they are not considered untouchables or impure. Um, they are autonomous and okay. have their own sovereign tribes. So I just thought that was a little so interesting. So they're not even, they're not even in this. They're outside of it, but they're yeah. not considered untouchables. Right. 
untouchables are like you don't interact with them they're not human basically like the untouchables were very they were not considered people so when india became independent in 1947 it was unconstitutional to discriminate based on the caste system but there are some like remnants of that still today um most notably that most marriages occur within a caste so we they had the caste system from about 500 to 1500 A.D. to 1947. Yeah. Wow. And it was actually, it ac- had actually been around, I think, for a total of about 3,000 years. But it became more prominent in the medieval, in the medieval period. Wow, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> like, it's got, like, when I think about how old, like, all of this is, I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm just fucked up. Like this whole time I was like, oh my God, it's so old. Time, time will just fuck you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm almost done with the timeline. So in the seventh century, Muslim Arabs invaded some areas of India and the Muslim period lasted between 1200 AD and 1757. So about 500 years and Islamic rulers prevented Hindus from practicing and worshiping and even destroyed some Hindu temples. In 1757, the British invaded. And from 1757 to 1947, so almost 200 years, India was under British rule. Initially, Hindus were free to practice their religion, which was a nice change from the, the Muslim regime. But then Christianity and like Christian missionaries came in and were like, Christianity for you, Christianity for you. And then in 1947, the partition occurred, and that was when India was split into India and Pakistan. That may be something we cover. It is very tragic, so <laughs> it's very hard to make that like a lighthearted ha-ha right. thing. Um, it was very, a very violent occurrence. But when this happened, Hinduism became the official major religion of India. And then in the 1960s, Hindus started migrating and spreading Hinduism outside of India. So that is... A very brief history wow. <laughs> of Hinduism. Any questions before I, because I'm like halfway done. Like, oh. <laughs> there's still more. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I think I've got my brain wrapped around it so far. Okay. Um, yeah. It's okay. Like, there's a lot to yeah. it. Um, and there's, I mean, like, you know how Christianity has multiple, like, belief systems yeah. and like you know there's like baptists and catholics and presbyterians and all of those things like i think it's i don't think it's like as like explicit in hinduism but there are like multiple different kind of belief right philosophies okay so here are the main uh, next are the main doctrines um i've already talked about dharma and it's a way of living that focuses on morals and conduct and one form of dharma is holding life sacred so a lot of hindus are vegetarian and that is a way that they live their dharma. And in karma, like I said, it's a universal law of cause and effect. So your actions influence the universe, mm-hmm. basically. Then there's samsara, which is this continuous cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. And that's based on your dharma and your karma. So if you are a very good person, you are reincarnated into a more like holy creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have bad karma and dharma... You become like a worm or something. <laughs> Moksha is the breaking of the cycle of reincarnation and, and it's considered salvation. You're out of this cycle. 
and it's becoming part of the absolute soul. So you've um, and reached so- your highest point. You can't get any better. Mm-hmm. You are done. You've made it. So there, there is a form of reincarnation that's like that total enlightenment mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure, but it's very hard to achieve. Yeah. So, like, I think from what I remember, and I may be Isn't incorrect. Isn't that called Nirvana? Is that something else? That's like heaven. Yeah. So that's not, I wasn't going into Nirvana, but there was like, there's like an enlightened consciousness that yeah. you can achieve. I think in Buddhism it's called Nirvana. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but humans are like... One of the highest levels, but they're not the highest level. Um, but it's really, really hard to achieve. So some people elect to undergo moksha, and that breaks the cycle. Mm-hmm. So they're no longer reincarnated. Mm-hmm. But that is considered salvation, and that is the ultimate goal. And then, um, then there's atman, which is belief in the soul. Um, so that was just something else that I saw. Okay. So next is the gods. How many gods are there? Depends on what you believe. Some people say there are 330 million gods. That's a lot. That, that, uh. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's so many. There are some believers that say there's only one god. Um, and then there's some believe that there are 33 gods. So I found this on hinduismfacts.org. But the Vedas, specifically the Rig Veda, are the authoritative te- religious texts in Hinduism. Yes. Um, and the 330 million gods idea comes from the Puranas, which is a derivative of the Vedas. But the Puranas are also sacred, and they're also authorit- authoritative religious texts. And contemporary Hinduism is based on the Puranas. So it just kind of goes down to, like, which one you want to believe and which one you want to follow. But no one worships all 330 million gods. That I think that's impossible. I don't know how that would. Do. Yeah, I think that would that would be a lot. So you kind of just like pick whichever ones you want to worship, and then like there you go. Okay. All right. So who are the major gods? I'm not going into all 330 million. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, major gods. We have Brahma. Uh, he is the god of creation, and then we have Vishnu. And Vishnu preserves and protects the universe. And Shiva is a big one. Shiva destroys the universe to recreate it. And Shiva is one of the most popular gods. Uh-huh. Um, he is very heavily worshipped. A lot of um, festivals and pilgrimages and temples that I saw are dedicated to Shiva. Oh. So he's a, he's a big one. Then we have Devi who's a goddess that fights for dharma. She fights for the moral way of living. We have Krishna, who's also very popular. He's blue as well. Um, He is a god of compassion. Yeah. Uh, He's a god of compassion, tenderness, and love. Um, We have Kashmi, who's a goddess of wealth, prosperity, and purity. And we have Saraswati, who's a goddess of learning. So those are just several of the main gods Um, or major gods, sorry. There's a few different symbols that are very important. Um, The first is the om. It's the sounds like om, and that's a sacred sound. And I have like what that looks like. Oh, that little symbol right there? Yeah, that's the sacred om. Okay. Um, It's like, kind of looks like a little bit of a backwards three. Yeah. With like a little, little friend to the right of it and a little like sky above it. (laughs) Um, that's a, that's but yeah, a so that's, 
yeah thank you <laughs> it's really hard like i i do not read um hindu so um so yeah uh, you can look it up. You just look up OM, O-M, and it'll pop up. Then this one is, everyone knows what this one is. It is the swastika. This was originally a Hindu symbol, and it means good fortune or being happy. And you can actually find swastikas a lot, like all over temples and stuff, because mm-hmm. it is a holy symbol. It means good luck. And then the Nazis had to come around, and they turned it diagonal. They fucked it, it, it all up. They fucked it they up. They did. Fucking Nazis. Damn Fucking Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> they took this wonderful holy symbol that's all over India and turned it evil. And so now, like, a lot of people, when they see it, they're like, oh, my gosh, are these people evil? It's like, no. Like, this was their symbol first. And it was good. And then so, the fucking the, Nazis. Then the fucking Nazis. But it is still used. Like, it's... Like, it was theirs first, and they're still using it. Good so the way that Hindus, like, in the way it's written in Sanskrit, it's not diagonal. It's, like, a square. Yeah, so it's, like, up. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Up and down. <laughs> don't mess it up. up and down. <laughs> no, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't turn it diagonal. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, and the next is a Shiva Linga. Um, and I've mentioned this because it comes up in something I research later, but I think there is an episode of Expedition Unknown trying to find the Shiva, Shiva Linga, but it is, um, it represents the God Shiva energy and the potential of God. So it can also represent male genitalia. Um, oh. so, which you can kind of see. So the way that a Shiva Linga looks, it's like you have like it kind of looks like an oil lamp, like an it old does. tiny. Like, it's giving me genie in a bottle vibes. Yeah, yeah, or like bottle on a genie, you know? Like yeah. So you have like a base, and then you have kind of a spout that comes out from the base, and then you have this like oval thing on it. It's very phallic. Yeah, kind of looks like a pour spout. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Um, Very long pore spout. But, but the thing on top is called the linga, okay. and that is that is very important. Um, and that I think that specifically represents um, Shiva. But there's one I found that like breaks it down, which I'm not going to do because it'd be really hard for me to do. And I think I even wrote in my notes I can't explain some of the concepts that it can mean because um, it's very vague. Yeah. It's it's just important. It's a symbol and not a symbol. It's It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. It doesn't have just one interpretation. But the Shiva Linga is very important. Just know that, please. <laughs> I will remember. I can't explain it. I tried. I tried. I looked at so many different websites. Like, explain this to please me. Help. And it was like, vague, 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 vague. And I was like, okay. Like, I would need to be, like, born in that culture to yeah. understand. I'm so sorry. Okay, so the practice of Hinduism, the act of worship in Hinduism is known as puja. Temples are called mandir. You can visit a mandir at any time, but you can also worship at home. There are shrines for specific gods and goddesses you can get. Um, Offerings are super important. Very common offerings are uh, flowers and oils. 
And then there's pilgrimages to temples and other sacred sites. So I picked one pilgrimage and one temple to talk about. So this pilgrimage is called Kumela or Kamela or Festival of the Jar. So nice. somewhere in India because time, you know. Time is an illusion. Like it is all. It is an illusion. <laughs> so legend, the legend of the Kamela so there's we have devas who are gods and then we have asuras who are demons they were once all mortal beings who would drink something called amrita um, and it's a nectar of immortality and this was created by the churning of the primordial ocean of milk shira sagara so we've got a milk ocean that is making nectar juice okay um yep so after a thousand years of this churning a person named Danvantari was created. He is the god of medicine and the physician of the gods. So a guy manifested. Cool. Naturally. Yep. Uh, that, that also happens. Yep. 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 You got it. So he held a jar or a cum um, of the Emrita. Demons stole the cum. Um, and it's spelled K-U-M-B-H. I did look at this pronunciation and it's pronounced cum. Like C-U-M? Like so. cum? C-O-M. It's pronounced. <laughs> I didn't mean to say I meant to say like. I know. I was trying to say if it's like U-M. Or like is the B silent is what I'm trying to say. It is. Okay. It is. It's K. It's spelled K-U-M-B-H in English, but it's pronounced cum. Okay. So the demon stole the cum. Okay. And the devas chased them for 12 divine days and nights, which was the equivalent of 12 human years. Eventually, the devas beat the demons and drank the Amrita, and then they were immortal. Um, and then when they drank the Amrita, there are four drops spilled into four different cities. Ahalabad, Haridwar, Ujjain, Ujjain, and Nasik. So now these four different cities are now sacred sites for the Kamela, which is the festival of the jar, oh. the jar of Amrita. Um, and it rotates between these 12, between the 12 years, between these four different cities. And the dates are predetermined by astrology and planetary movement. So oh. like, it's not like every three years, it like you could go to two sites in one year or you could like go every three years. So it just kind of depends. Um, and then there's also the Maha Kamela, which is the Great Camilla, and that occurs every 144 years. The last one was in 2013, uh-huh. and more than 100 million people were there. In, in this celebration, pilgrims immerse themselves in the rivers in all these four cities, and that is when the water, water becomes Emrita, and that's also determined through astrological means. Um, if someone bathes in the river, in the river that is Amrita, it's believed that it will cleanse not only themselves, but 88 generations of their ancestors. So, like, once you bathe in that, like, your whole, like, bloodline is good. Oh, my god! Like, from, like, the beginning of time. Let me get some um, of I know. And then all, it's also believed that the festival helps to allow moksha and spiritual awakening to occur. That, that salvation and the breaking of the cycle of reincarnation. So, like, once you bathe in the Amrita during the Kamela, like, you're out of that cycle of reincarnation and you're allowed to join the soul. Um, 
so next is a temple and this is Amarnath temple and this was referenced in our our little skit at the beginning so Amarnath temple is a huge religious site in India it's a cave in the mountains of Jammu and Kashmir it's believed that the god Shiva discovered the secret of immortality and disclosed the secret to his consort here he calls his followers to the temple to visit his shrine, which is a Shiva lingam made of ice. It naturally forms in the ice. And so, so it's a very, cool. it is a very holy site. And it's only open two months out of the year because the rest of the year it's covered in snow. And so people hike days to this mountain. It's arduous. But I was reading, um, there's this blog called Magic India, and they were talking about like the religious festivals and the temples. And apparently if you are like doing this hike, like you get a tent and you get a delicious meal, um, you get coffee. So nice. um, they take care of you on the, the hike. But again, like you have to hike days, miles, miles and miles to this cave in the mountains. Um, but according to legend, Shiva declared that those who visit Armanath would attain moksha. So it's also very important because oh. you also achieve salvation here. Um, and I think I have a picture. Oh, yeah. The next, That's I have the picture wild, of the... That's that is naturally forming. Yeah. And like, that's why it's considered so holy. It looks like a waterfall that just froze in place. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, and it's it looks like the top part of the Shiva Lingam. So it's like oh, the kind of stone. Yeah. Wow. So the best way I can describe it is if you've ever seen the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, those rocks that they're like trying to find, those are like the top parts of the Shinga Lingam. Like they're kind of like oval-ish and they've got stripes on them. I have a confession. Have you never seen... <laughs> no. Temple of Doom, what? I'm so sorry I've let you down. I'm so personally offended <laughs> I'm so by this. Sorry. I'm you know I'm horrible at movies. I never sat down long How enough as a child to watch a movie. That's Indiana Jones. I've seen um Oh shit. Uh I guess one of the more recent ones. The, the the crystal yeah stone. that one <laughs> i've seen the crystal stone. girl you gotta watch harrison ford and his prime I know, he was real hot wasn't he yeah he's still yeah. kind of daddy but it's fine yeah <laughs> i mean you're not wrong you're not I wrong mean, okay so okay, i'll anyway. watch it and then i'll know then you'll know what i'm talking what, about what talking you'll know about? and they talk about shiva a lot in that movie so Yes. Um, so I will say it is my least favorite of the original three movies, um, but it's, it's still good. So anyway, holidays. These are I'm I'm almost done. I know this was a no, lot. You're okay. um, so there's so many different holidays in Hinduism. So I just wrote down a few. Um, so there's Diwali. It's a very famous one. It's Festival of the Lights. Um, so this occurs at the new moon in the month of Kar Kartik or Karthik which is between October and November. No one knows how it started, okay. but it's a celebration of light over darkness. And I saw pictures like, I mean, it is 
lanterns and lights and it's just this beautiful celebration you know that sounds like it sounds like um i mean not that they're similar but the same concept like the light over the dark that's why like the pagans would celebrate the winter solstice is to mm-hmm. remind themselves that the light is coming so it's kind of the same yeah. vibes i'm getting i think yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just this really beautiful light festival. I mean, so many people go to it every year, and it's just really beautiful. Then we have Navaratri, um, and that's a festival of the fertility and the harvest. It lasts for nine nights and ten days. It celebrates the Universal Mother, and it's, cele- it's celebrated four times a year. I wrote down all the months, but it just occurs like between January and February, March and April, June and July, and September. So about October. every. Um, quarter every like two two to three three months months, yeah yeah Yeah. then we have holy um which actually just ended um it's either holy or holly but that's a spring festival um and it marks the beginning of spring so i wrote i was looking into that and this one is also very interesting another like tiny little rabbit hole i went into so this is a festival where people will throw color at each other i've heard of this one yes it's a big one um, it occurs during the full moon, um, at the full moon during Falgun, which occurs between February and March, because they have their own calendar. So, like, all are welcome, no matter your social class, your caste, your gender, like, everyone's welcome to celebrate Holly. So, it starts after Holika, where, so, a little backstory. So, there's this woman named Holika, and she's a sister of an evil king named Hiran Yakashipu, I hope that was fine, <laughs> um, who attempted to murder his son, Pralada. So the evil king told his sister to murder his son. So she did that by sitting on a pyre with the son in her lap and then setting it on fire. But he lived. The god saved Pralada. And he became like an epic hero, but she burned alive. So now... Um, and he was eventually made king. So now um, people will celebrate that by building pyres of the woman and then burning them. Good. Yeah. Good. Yep. So, and then Holly is celebrated after. Um, and so there's another backstory for that as well, revolving the god Krishna. But celebrators with a colored water or powder on each other, anything goes. Like, you do not want to dress in your Sunday best. Because if people see you on the street, they're throwing color powder at you. Oh, my gosh. But it's, yeah, like, yeah, like, you better be prepared. But it's not, like, done out of malice. It's joyful. It's celebrating. And so then that blog I I mentioned, Magic India, the author of that website, said that many families will celebrate at home, like, as the celebration goes on, because a lot of men will drink this drink called Bang. It's made from cannabis. And they get wild. Nice. So they're like, we're just going to be at home. (laughs) It gets a little crazy. Then we have Krishna Jianti or Krishna Janmashtami. And that's Krishna's birthday celebration. So he's also like a major, very popular Hindu god. Um, We have Maha Shiva Ratri. That's a festival, another festival dedicated to Shiva. And it's worshiping the Shiva Lingam. And the planets are aligned in a way that there's a surge of energy in humans. Oh. Um, so it's also based on astrology. 
seems like and that's it that's all astrology I have. <laughs> and hinduism really go hand in hand they really do and like the movements of the planets like they dictate like what's um holidays are being celebrated and like where like you go to specific sites and that was just a couple like i looked up one pilgrimage one temple like a few holidays wow. like there's so much um that like i said like to cover like india and hinduism and all of the culture and like it would be its own podcast like it's there's so much involved this is so cool in the worship i feel it. like i didn't say much because i was just <laughs> just like staring in zone you were learning i was like <laughs> in it i was like listening to the podcast but i was like having to remind myself that i'm part of the podcast <laughs> and i'm not okay. just learning right now <laughs> like say things <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you learned something. I was in like, it. Like I said in the last episode, when I was, like, I was researching this and poor Kyle was falling asleep. And I was like, and then there's this this festival called the Kama, the, the, the uh, Kamela, and it's a festival of the jar. And, like, this is the mythology and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another myth uh, for the Temple of Abernath. And, like, it's blah, 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 blah. So. Poor. And he was, like, literally, like, falling poor asleep. Poor Kyle. Was, like, okay, you know. <laughs> he got it all. He got it all. He got this nine pages of notes in like 10 minutes because I was just like. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's funny. So that is all I have. There's so much more information. I highly recommend the website Magic India, magic with a K, um, magicindia.com, all like one word. This person talks about like her personal like travels in India and like attending the different temples and like ceremonies and like you can organize by like eastern or like different like areas of india like different like belief practices like there's so much information like that was another rabbit hole i was like don't do it morgan don't fall into it (laughs) that is so cool though yeah it's really really interesting i learned a whole lot about hinduism that i feel like so much more than what we learned in school. I feel like what we learned in school is just the caste system. Yeah. And like the three main gods. Yeah. That's just like the tiniest like chip of the tip of the iceberg. It's such a rich culture. It's really amazing. Yeah. I feel like we need to learn more about other cultures, regardless if we're going to practice those cultures or not. It's really important to learn about other people's cultures and their way of life just because I mean not only is it fascinating but it just makes you a better person to know about Mm -hmm. all this stuff and I and I agree and like like when you know more about other people you treat them better with more understanding and we just learn from each other um like when you're around the same people all the time what do you learn nothing you know nothing So, yeah, that's that's my episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will, I have, like, different sources, like, links and stuff. I think there's show notes. I hear other podcasts talk about yes, show notes, so we, I'll put, like, my sources yes, in show yes, notes. Yes, we are definitely going to put sources in the show notes. Um, remember that the skits that we do are definitely uh, taken with some creative liberty, that skit yes. at the beginning was definitely a little dumbed down than what I'm assuming the full 
story was. Yes, I had to really, like, narrow it down. Um, it follows the same overall plot, but, like, there's a lot more detail, and I was like, there's just so much, yeah. and it's important. Yeah. So I highly recommend, like, going and, like, looking for yourself so you don't have to keep listening to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> or keep listening to our voice. Yeah. Yes, you can. Just not, like, about Hinduism. Because yeah. I'm sure I butchered every single Indian word we I pronounced. We tried. We tried really um, hard. I, I tried so hard. I hope, like, it was respectful for the culture. Um, if you have any corrections that you would, like, if you're a practicer of Hinduism and you have any corrections please let that us know. you would like to make, yeah. please let us know. Um, or, like, in general, like, if you're a listener of our podcast and you hear something you're like that's wrong please let us know in a very polite (laughs) yes a polite respective way please (laughs) (laughs) and i know jujitsu so be careful i don't (laughs) i'll let morgan fight you (laughs) i'll just cry it's fine I would protect you. <laughs> All right. Well, um, check out our Instagram um, for, you know. Updates deets. and pictures. You can, and, um, you can comment. Yeah. Your nice comments. <laughs> on the pictures. Thank you. Uh, if you have um, a specific story or tale, time, invention, anything you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at illequippedhistory at gmail.com all one word no spaces no dashes just one word no caps we made it simple because we're simple yes (laughs) we we simple folk folk. (laughs) all right um again like it's now time to end the podcast and i'm really bad at this so we'll just say okay bye